Hello, and welcome to Pull to Open, a Doctor Who podcast, where today we will be discussing Resolution, the New Year's Day special. Written by Chris Chibnall and directed by Wayne Yip. And joining me for the discussion is Etsy goddess Renee Thielman. Yay, hi! And LA comic Ben Padden. Hello, hello, rubbish robots from the dawn of time. I don't get the reference. It's a literally a Doctor Who reference. I know, wait, which one? Ro- robots? It's, it's from uh, Deep Breath. It's from Peter Capaldi's first episode. Oh, okay. I, I try to forget that that one exists. So. Oh, how dare you? Oh! Compared to the future Capaldi? You know, uh, it is, okay, it, it, is, it is a strong post-regeneration episode. It is not the worst. It is not the twin dilemma. It is not time and the Rani. Well, it that's is a clear in a bar. Solid, it is a solid post-regeneration episode. And how dare you, sir, for besmirching the good name of Peter Bartholomew Capaldi. I don't actually know if that's his middle name, but it, <laughs> I it was certainly just should. Say, sounds like oh it is. Oh my yeah, god, is that his middle name? I come here not to, to bury Capaldi, but to praise him, because that first season was just it didn't show what he could do, you know? Like uh It was well, it's a good season to bring up because it was also an introduction for a new doctor that had a lot of missteps, but then finally found its footing and introduced some great episodes, which uh, well, I would say this one is a very good episode. I don't know if I'd say great, but I thought it was a really good job. I really enjoyed the New Year's Day special. Uh, what say you all? Resolution lover, resolution hater. Oh, okay. Renee's looking. Renee's giving me the look. Oh, am I still on? Sorry. Yes, you're still um, on. <laughs> yeah. No, I actually really liked it. Um, yes. I wasn't... I always say that I'm hopeful, but I really didn't go into it with the highest hopes. Um, mostly because I was worried about um, the, the Daleks. Yeah. But um, I actually really liked it. Yeah, I, I've been worried too, because I hate to say, even though he's doing a... <laughs> a good job uh, running the show and the overall look of the show. Chibnall scripts have been some of the weaker ones I've thought, but so I was worried too and pleasantly surprised. Yeah. But what say Ben? Um, I, I thought this was a decent special. Um, yeah. I think it's, I think it's buoyed to a certain extent by the fact that so much of um, Jody's first season was to coin a phrase, hella bad. Um, I Oof. think that, it's, it was rough. It was a rough, We've had a really yeah. rough season. It was but a rough this, season. True. This special, apart from the very, very end of it, which I think we can summarize. Like, if we were to write the like TV guide one sentence synopsis of this episode, you could describe it as the Doctor sucks off a Dalek. Like that's that's the conclusion of this episode, <laughs> and I think it, it was bad. Good. Some yeah. minor complaints aside i really enjoyed this episode i thought it had a really good kind of pacing and tempo there are some there are flaws and holes that you could drive a buick through but apart from that i i didn't hate it i, I it's probably one of the most enjoyable episodes of the season overall cool cool i yeah i i go with you although i actually i was i liked it well i liked the ending but i thought the ending i don't know it, it was like a lot of Doctor Who in that the individual scenes were good. I wish they hung together a little bit better, but I'm nitpicking. Overall, you're right. I thought it was a decent episode. I even go so far as to say a good episode and their I, first Dalek episode. So yeah, uh, I would I, I would say that this is probably the best we can expect from Chris Chibnall. 
This is the bar for him. And, so, and in fairness, it's a low bar because he kept the bar so chuffing low throughout the season. Um, he's he's not a good writer. He's he's not a good writer. Um, and even in this special, there are a lot of um, ideas that are set up and then that are either abandoned or are largely unnecessary. There's a lot of lip service to drama in this. So I, I, I was reading... Um, uh Andrew Ellard, who I've mentioned a few times on this podcast, um described uh damningly described a lot of what Chibnall does as an imitation of drama. Um and there's definitely echoes of that. Uh that is an ongoing problem with the way that Chibnall writes the show and, and has been running the show. Um but I was able to maybe it was because I was tired, maybe it was because it was, you know, the day after New Year's, but I was able to kind of overlook some of the more glaring um uh, narrative issues with this episode i enjoyed it i had a good time i just i yeah. didn't like the end but I, I enjoyed the episode overall i i don't know if i go that far for me every scene that chimno does is pretty strong like that scene between aaron and ryan or between graham and aaron and the scenes with the Daleks were good i just wish there was more thought to the overall shape you know like uh well, to take that Ryan and Aaron scene, it was really strong, but I thought it was too early because it showed that Ryan actually had a very healthy, mature reaction to the fact that his dad was being a jerk. And, you know, so there wasn't really any sense that his attitude towards his dad had changed when he saves his dad from the, the supernova. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but um, but I did like the Dalek. Actually, I want to get back to I thought uh, this is what I thought was the best part of 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 the episode was is it was a really cool twist on a Dalek because Daleks they're you know they spend their whole lives driving around in other vehicles it seems completely logical that you know in a pinch they could commandeer a person and ride around in a person for a while and I thought that was a good way to make the Dalek seem like the Daleks we've seen before and yet fresh and new. What do you think of the new uh, Puppet Master Dalek? It reminded me of like multiple other um, sci-fi um, aliens, like um, most recently, probably the um, oh, fuck. What was that show called with Noah Wiley? And they were called skitters and they attached to their backs. Oh, resistance. Was that resistance yeah. or no, no. Something <laughs> skies, falling skies, falling skies. Yes. Yes. Thank you. Sorry. Um, Who could forget falling skies? Yeah, so, All of us, apparently. Yes. Yeah, I was like, damn it. Um, yeah, I kind liked of reminded it. me of that a little bit. Um, but yeah. there have been other ones, too. But that was the most recent one I could think of. Um, but yeah, it was very creepy. And it also kind of, oh, it just occurred to me that it reminded me of something else. But I can't think of what it is. You go Ben uh, and I'll remember. It reminded me of the Puppet Masters by Heinlein. And I don't know, It's there's that 50s trope about the evil, usually squid-like aliens that take over people and, uh, you know, make them make them prepare Bart, the way for the invasion. Bart versus the space mutants, yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, the biggest... They're brain slugs. The thing for- about this story that rubbed me... Oh, well, all the things that rubbed me the wrong way. I still was able to enjoy it, but... Um, Chibnall, Chibnall's doing that thing, and a lot of other writers have done this. That's, it's not, a, it's not strictly speaking a problem. Chibnall has changed the Daleks to suit the narrative. Now, generally speaking, I don't have a problem with that. I just, I question the logic of, oh, they're rec- this is a reconnaissance Dalek, so it's more powerful. Why would that be? Like, you don't. That doesn't logically make sense to me. It's a minor niggle, but okay, I, I, I can, I can look past it. I loved the look. I actually had the look of the Daleks spoiled for me. 
by social media while I was out and about during the day because I didn't watch the episode <laughs> as it went out. Yeah. Um, so I had the look of it spoiled for me. And just looking looking at photos, or still photos of this Dalek, not knowing the context of where this Dalek came from, how it was made, I didn't like it. But actually seeing it in context in the episode, there's a wonderful kind of... The Dalek serves as a wonderful mirror to the Doctor herself back in The Woman Who Fell to Earth, where she's, mm -hmm. you know, make, she makes her own sonic screwdriver. And the idea of a Dalek making its own casing in kind of the same way felt like a wonderful dark mirror. Um, because in many ways, the, the Daleks are much more the uh the the polar opposite of the doctor than the master is i think that you know that the the the, uh, the the master is just evil for evil's sake but the daleks actively want to destroy and conquer um whereas the you know that's counter to the way that the doctor lives her life which is she wants to kind of travel and see and appreciate and enjoy and um and 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 live and love and hope and that's absolutely the opposite of what what the Daleks do. So it makes sense to kind of present that um, that kind of mirror image, and mm -hmm. also to make the the uh, the return of the Daleks a big event episode. Yeah, um, that's a good idea. That was a smart choice as well, and the decision to stream like whenever we talk about. Dalek episodes like Genesis of the Daleks, Destiny of the Daleks, Remembrance of the Daleks, Evolution of the Daleks. We oh, usually Daleks. refer to them as it's uh, as as by just the title Genesis, Remembrance, Evolution, Victory, mm -hmm. etc. We don't we don't generally say the full title. So the idea of just saying, well, we're just going to call this one Resolution, and most fans are going to know, oh, it's Resolution of the Daleks, yeah. but. You don't need. You don't strictly speaking need that full title. Like that's that is the smartest choice that Chibnall made, and it was in naming the episode. Yeah, although the Daleks were the opposite. But there's also I wish they'd done more, especially because you did have that parallel with the Dalek making the case, and she made her screwdriver. Because yeah. past Doctors, there's also been this sense that they're not just opposites. They're in a weird way a reflection. I'm thinking of Christopher Eccleston's Dalek, where you saw that, you know, he also was scarred and full of hate from the Time War. Yeah. And especially this Dalek, who, you know, has spent his life on Earth, is a survivor, has spent thousands of years. Like, I, I wish they'd drawn – it was an interesting parallel, but I'm not sure why they made it, you know? Because another thing – Shoot, I, I like this episode so much. I, I'm I'm afraid I'm going into the belly aching a little quick. But the other thing I didn't don't like about it is he never maybe because it's more of a kids show now than I think it's been. He never wants his characters to look bad. You know, uh, the closest this doctor has ever come from looking bad is is uh, when she was you know ignoring the doctor the what was Doctor Atos in the Saranga conundrum. And and of course she immediately admits it, and it's because she's disoriented. Like you know with 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 that scene where you're drawing parallels between them, I wanted to see, you know, that parallel drawn, the Dalek saying like, hey, we're both survivors, we're both warriors. And the doctor has always struggled against that. And I don't know, I mean, it's Monday morning quarterbacking, but I wish they'd gone a little deeper into that. But I did love the look of the Dalek, especially in context, you know, that it, that it is this survivor Dalek that is gonna take whatever leftovers and parts it can find to cobble together a Dalek shell for it. I don't know, Renee, what did you think of the junkyard chic Dalek? Oh, I dug it. Um, one thing I was going to say, I think, you know, we always worry that the doctor is being too nice and yeah. that some of that might have to do with her being a woman. Yeah. Uh, but I also think I was thinking about it's also probably a direct answer to Peter Capaldi's doctor mm -hmm. being such a crotchety old man that I feel like sometimes they're just trying to be as opposite from that as, as humanly possible. Yeah. 
Um, but, it is weird how always the doctor seems in some ways a reaction to the last one. And yeah, she definitely yeah. is not Capaldi significantly. Yeah. I, 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 I do want to stress, I, I, a lot of people have postulated this idea of each doctor is a response or reaction to, to their predecessor. And I don't necessarily always agree with that. Um, my, my main feeling with, uh, I, I think that the, a lot of the creative choices that have been made with Jodie's doctor have been Capaldi's error on the show. You know, there was, it was kind of a ratings low in the UK. Mm-hmm. How can we, how can we differentiate differentiate ourselves from that as much as possible? And the result is we had the highest, um, season premiere ratings since since Eccleston's appearance in in 2005, but the lowest seasonal special ratings, like something something like uh, five million people watched this in the UK. Yeah. Um, and I think that I, 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 my 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 gut on this is that there is a an audience reaction, like a visceral reaction from the audience to the way that Chris Chibnall is running the show, because I think there are a lot of engaging ideas. Doctor Who isn't, is, is, has never been a show that has been short on brilliant ideas. There are a lot mm-hmm. of fantastic ideas on the show. What Chibnall lacks is an ability and a core competency to execute on those ideas. In, in the hands of a, uh, a better writer, uh, the Saranga conundrum could have been a fantastic episode. The, the ingredients are there for that finale, the Battle of... Ranskor of Kolos. Yeah. Um, the ingredients are there in that finale for something that could have been uh, interesting. But what we got instead was what Chibnall has given us. And I I went into this season wary and skeptical of his abilities as a showrunner. And by the end of the season, like, I'm as much, I love Jodie. I love Jodie's performance. I love these companions, but I cannot help but feel like this might be the worst season of the show. And it's through no fault of Jodie's. It's not, and and it's not because the the new era that it's of of the show period. I I genuinely, I can't think of a single episode that, well, there were a couple of like Rosa, um, Rosa demons of the Punjab, um, and uh, the the Witchfinders, those are episodes that I'm going to come back to, and I, that, that's really it. Like the rest of the season is oh, for is me, kind it's, of... it takes you away in the Ghost Monument. Um, I mean, I agree with a lot of these criticisms, although I also wonder if the ratings are kind of apples to oranges because Christmas there's a tradition of the family sitting around and watching the telly that Whereas, I don't think you have on New Year's Day. So no, yeah, I think that was a misstep. The, I, I, under, I understand the drive to want to change things up and do things differently. And I think that um, the way that New Year's Day serves the story, I think is kind of cool, but the audience, like that's not a day of, of TV viewing in the UK. We don't yeah. do that. That's, that's what Christmas day is for. Christmas day yeah. is when they is, is really when this should have aired. Um, yeah, and- well, it just strikes me. Jodie's a very Christmassy doctor. Like she would fit in with a Christmas special, like very much. She's very cheerful. You know, she'd she'd get along great with Santa, unlike Capaldi. Yeah. I mean, that was a great episode, but still, oh, absolutely, bang deads. Um, I I just you know, there's a lo- there are a lot of really I love the idea of resolution. Mm-hmm. Um, I, and that, so the acting was fantastic. The supporting cast was fantastic. Um, mm-hmm. the minute Ryan's dad got that. Uh, that microwave out. I yeah. knew that that was going to be a key point at the end of the episode. I just, I just knew it because it's, it's, it's Chekhov's microwave. You don't, you don't set off a <laughs> microwave. 
in the first act without hearing it ping in the third, you know, it's, and that's, that's kind of what we got. Uh, oh, I mean, you're completely right. I was getting a very Pete Tyler vibe off it. Like, remember when Rose met Pete Tyler and he had a bunch of, you yeah. know, he he was always a guy on the make who never quite made it, which uh, yeah. I thought was a good, but you're right. Yeah. They did absolutely use the microwave at the end, which, uh, yeah, it's weird. They didn't realize the Dalek was just going to crawl out of the casing. I mean, it survived being cut into 3000 pieces for Earth. Survive cut into three pieces for a thousand years. It's going to survive a microwave. That was my biggest complaint as well, because the start of the episode sets up this, the three different parts of the Daleks separated into three different and and protected by people who have, et cetera, blah, blah, blah. Set that up. And then the minute they find the Dalek, the piece in Sheffield, the other two bits just get teleported. So what is that bit for? What is any of that for other than it's an it's an idea? It's an idea that Chibnall had that you thought, oh, that's kind of cool, but that he had no way of like building on or capitalizing upon. And it's really disappointing because there are so many other stories you could tell with that beginning that are infinitely more interesting. You could cut. All of the stuff about the three different the, the three different locations, you could cut all of that and just have them find a Dalek. And the Order of the Custodians, yeah. Yeah. Well, if it were Moffat, I would be pretty sure we were going to get a prequel episode next season about the Doctor helping a bunch of ancient tribes defeat a Dalek. But for <laughs> Shim, no, probably not. Although, uh, give, it, give it a couple of days. We're going to get tons of fan fiction, I bet. I I don't trust uh, I do not trust Chibnall to do any kind of long game stuff. I don't yeah. the way that the, again think about Timeless the Timeless Child. I don't think that's going to do any. I don't think yeah. that's going anywhere. That, I think that's just Chibnall throwing spaghetti yeah. at the wall. I mean, admittedly though, Moffat was kind of guilty of that too. Like, remember when uh, the Doctor was going to be incommunicado and have a low profile for a while, and that lasted what? An episode or two, because Matt Matt Smith's not a low profile guy. But uh, Matt, the thing, the difference between Chibnall and Moffat, when Moffat comes up with an idea and he puts it in epi- in an episode, whether you like how that's going to pay off or not, he has a payoff for it. Like he he seeds something with a payoff in mind. Later that season, mm-hmm. next season, whenever he has a payoff in mind. I think Chibnall is just trying things again. Andrewella described what Chibnall does as an imitation of drama, and that's super apparent in in the way that again the opening of this episode the three different sections of the dalek that's irrelevant to the story there's a that you could do a streamlined version of this story where that stuff isn't there and save money on location shoots that didn't need to be done like that's it, yeah, it was it, probably the most expensive part of the episode <laughs> It bog. It just. It continues. I don't want. I. I realize I'm spending a lot of time talking yeah. about this, and I. I also. I realize I'm getting very heated about an episode that I enjoyed, but I. It is. I enjoyed it, because in, in part because this season has been so weak and has given us so few fun episodes. Again, love Rosa, love Demons of the Punjab, but the if the highs of the it takes season, you away. I I I like a lot more of the ideas of it takes you away than the execution. Mm-hmm. You know, I I just I feel like this season has been has been so lackluster that I'm 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 grabbing at anything that even vaguely resembles the shape of you know the Doctor Who that I recognize that I grew up watching that I've been watching you know since I was a kid mm-hmm. and this episode is feels the most Doctor Who um I think by virtue of the fact that it has an interesting structure. And, it, it, and in fairness, it does do something interesting with the Daleks. There's, it's not an accident that this episode has been compared so much 
to um to Dalek, the Christopher Eccleston episode. Um it's it's it does something interesting and different with the Daleks that we haven't seen before, and it executes on that in a kind of a cool way. But then you get stuff like the rockets on the front of the Dalek that kind of <laughs> belie the homemade, um, you know, uh, junkyard chic aesthetic. Like, where did those rockets come from? It could we have been leftover Dalek parts. They, they it's entirely. I think wisely stay very vague on how much of that Dalek was leftover Dalek tech and how much yeah. of it was uh, homegrown. There was actually one other thing I thought this episode did really well. It it was a much better se- season finale because there were lots of little moments where you really saw that that these group of Three people, most of whom didn't know each other at the beginning, are really a unit now. Like you really got a sense that they spent time in the in the TARDIS. They know each other. They're a team. And even though Yaz is still pretty woefully underserved, I love how she now is has taken the role of being the doctor's sidekick. She's always the one helping the doctor. And it's so natural because she was this cop at the beginning who wanted to do more. And she sees in the doctor a potential to do more. And I love how she stepped up. And uh, she now sort of has cast herself as the doctor's, I don't know what you say, sidekick, Watson, what have you, the person who's always going to have the doctor's back. Yeah. Oh, and I love how Graham gets chuffed because they abandon him while he's getting some peanut butter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, and they destroy his chair. Poor Graham. You know, it's 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 the I guess it's the curse of being a great actor who does really good sort of grouchy complaining well that you know that you're the one who's going to get left behind and have your chair crushed but uh yeah not a well it was a great episode for graham although not so much for his chair oh yeah and oh god he was great with aaron too like you could tell oh his his concern for ryan really came through there like uh yeah i mean now i look back at it yaz is at a good arc and graham and ryan i mean that is i mean i wish it had been integrated into some of the stories better but they've had a great arc over the season. Uh, with the exception of It Takes You Away, I love that because one of the reasons I, I think that's my favorite is because it, it tied in the sci-fi with Graham and his, you know, his mourning for Grace and with Ryan. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I could have done without the rocket launchers. Though. Actually, it's weird. I've, I've seen a lot of praise for the direction of this episode, and some parts were great. Even though story-wise it was a drop ball, the the opening with the the flashback of the fighting in the 900s I thought was amazing. All the moody shots underneath in that sort of subterranean cavern I thought was great. The fight with the soldiers I thought was awful. It was clearly in the middle of nowhere because they couldn't, you know, they didn't have budget for an actual location. And it was, and plus Chibnall, he's usually pretty good at like the guy who's about to die gets a beat or two of character development. Like remember, remember the security guard who gets the phone call with his grandson. Right. Yeah, yeah I mean, yeah, it's awful, but it's 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 it's, it's also the way. these it's also a terrible fodder, and yeah, it's a terrible trend of yet another queer character being introduced just to be killed, like almost one hundred. One hundred percent of the queer representation in yeah. in in Chibnall's Doctor Who so far has been either queer people who get killed or queer people who are widows. Like that's that's a hundred percent of it. Wait, and that that's upsetting. I, I was just asking because those soldiers were completely generic. I mean, well, I, I agree with your criticism. I'm not sure how that ties in. With oh the no, soldiers. I'm speaking more about the guy at the 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 weapons storage facility. The one guy who's you know he says, "Oh, I've got the." You know, oh, yes. they'll go with the magic digits. Value, valuable digits in England, yeah. Yeah, that that guy, that's our that's our queer representation in this episode, and he dies. Yeah, um, which again is is a trend that 
Chibnall's Doctor Who has has continued to 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 push this idea that you know we we've had 100% of the queer characters in the in the show so far have died or mm-hmm. been married to someone who has died. Yeah. It's not great representation. Yeah, that is weird. God. Oof. Yeah. Well, plus I mean not to belittle that point, the other weird thing is that Lynn kills two cops and one security guard and I don't know. I guess she feels bad about it, but I mean, it's it's weird how that got dropped. I mean, I got to think if you're plugged into a Dalek, it's going to have a little bit longer term than like a big red mark on the back of your neck. Well, I mean, what? one of the things... Oh, no, sorry, you go ahead. I apologize. Yeah. No, it's fine. I, I was just, you know, you bringing that up, it made me think about like how none of that stuff is ever followed up on. I mean, you yeah. can't really, but like, is she going to go to jail? <laughs> like... She killed people, and how are they going to yeah, get away with officers. explaining that? Like, yeah. she's on camera. The doctor was able to follow her on camera before she, you know, yeah. knocked him out and stuff. So, you know, I always wonder about that. Yeah, plus thematically, the idea of, like, getting joined to a Dalek and getting a taste of its hate. I, I wish they'd done something with that, because that's that's interesting, you know? That could totally, like, fuck you up, your brain up for, like, yeah. a long time. Like, some weird residual anger issues. Oh well, we just dropped it. Yeah. Oh, also, I mean, it... my mom brought up that did she look familiar to anybody else? That girl. Yeah, she's yeah. been in something I've seen. I think my she's been in Call the Midwife. She looked like um, Marion from Indiana Jones. Like she could be her daughter. Oh yeah, a little bit. She does. Yeah. You know the but... other completely random thing, but her house looked exactly like Sarah Jane's house from the Sarah Jane Chronicles probably was <laughs> it could have been but god like i mean i was there was that split second where i was expecting a cameo and then of course i remembered you know elizabeth Slade and rest in peace but yeah that was that was weird like choose and it's just an exterior choose a new exterior for goodness sakes ah great reveal though when it showed uh, when it showed her taking off her coat with the the doll yeah. oh yeah that was yeah that was a yeah. superb reveal yeah um kind of getting back to the point about what happens with Lynn after this, the yeah. biggest, the big, one of Chibnall's biggest flaws, and he has a lot of them. I'm sorry. I know I keep harping on about Chibnall. I don't, <laughs> yeah, I don't here's the thing. And I want to stress this before I continue. I don't come into Doctor Who expecting to be disappointed. I'm not, I'm not looking for something to come. I know there are a lot of people, particularly during the Moffat era who were watching the show, just looking for something to complain about. I sit down and watch Doctor Who because it is my favorite television show of all time. And I want to sit down and I want to enjoy it. And I'm not enjoying it right now, but, one of Chibnall's biggest weaknesses is ca- using characters as plot devices. And once mm-hmm. once Lynn is free of the Dalek, she's irrelevant to the narrative. She has yeah. no purpose in the narrative. Even um, uh, even sorry, one second. Uh, uh, even Mitch, who's played by Nikesh Patel, even even Mitch. Um, he only exists to provide information. Like, why would he have information on this company that's been buying up alien weaponry that pl- pops up on the black market? There's no reason for him to have that information, and yet he has it because the characters need it in that moment. Mm. That is what Chibnall constantly and consistently uses characters as little more than like ways of peppering plot information he did it with the captain in um the battle of Trabangun, <laughs> god yeah that, was... uh, that who had a who had amnesia and remembered stuff exactly at the moment yeah. when the narrative yeah. needed him to remember stuff yeah yeah that was so a that's waste an of a good ongoing actor. issue with chibnall's writing well plus this was you know this would be such an interesting thing like they have this attraction towards each other and it gets complicated when she gets taken over by an alien like if you want them to be characters 
have them have their relationship go through some sort of change. But it's like, what is it? They had one kiss and they're about to go on a date at the beginning and then he's concerned and then they're at exactly the same place at the end of the episode. It would have been much better if, you know, the relationship still hadn't, you know, congealed. One of them was afraid to like say how he or she felt and it was the the stress of the Dalek possession that actually pushed that relationship forward. But instead it's just sort of, I don't know. I guess they're still dating. You know, I mean, if she doesn't go to jail, I know it's weird though. Cause like I enjoyed the episode. I, it's, it's, well, it's sort of a theme cause there's always these weird logic and missed opportunities. So when you recap it, you wind up like essentially, you know, picking holes, but I did enjoy it. It was a good yeah, solid the Dalek episode. There's, there are a lot of things for me to um, kind of pick at and complain about, but mm-hmm. I still enjoyed it. Like it's still, I think for me, this episode, in terms of if, if we look at it in the kind of the grand scheme of Dalek stories, I think this story was more enjoyable than even most of Russell T Davies Dalek stories. And um, when Davies was the showrunner, the Daleks had this problem of every time they appeared on screen, they were slightly less menacing. They were terrifying in the standalone episode with, with Eccleston. And they were, they were quite scary in Eccleston's finale. They would have been scary if they hadn't been, if the you know reveal hadn't been spoiled by the, the next time trailer. Um, and then every, time we see them they get a little bit sillier um and i'm one of the rare people i'm one of those like seven people on the planet who genuinely liked victory of the daleks and thinks victory other than the redesign of the daleks that uh, moffat introduced i think victory of the daleks goes a huge way into making the daleks a credible threat again but it's still a silly episode it's, that's when it's, they it, look like iphones right like they yeah, were like yeah and then those daleks appear maybe twice on the show after that and then never appear again because they were such a misstep. Um, But I think he definitely read the comments. I think Moffat read the comments about the uh, Idaleks. Yeah. This is, this is the first time in a very long time that the Daleks have felt like a real, like tangible threat in the show, as opposed to just window dressing in Doctor Who or um, or just something silly. And that's not to say the Daleks can't be played for comedy. The Daleks were played for comedy in The Chase, um, which was their third ever serial. There was a comedy Dalek in that Oh, yeah. Series. They um, get attacked by Frankenstein, right? Yeah. Um, but, or, uh, sorry, Frankenstein's monster. Yes. Uh, ten- it's good not- nerds. I saw a great tweet the other day that was uh, it's only technically Frankenstein if it's if it's made in the Frankenstein region of France. Otherwise, <laughs> it's sparkling monster. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, the, the, for for its weaknesses and obviously I I think there are quite a lot of them. This was a very enjoyable episode, um, and, this, and this is an episode that I've this is the first episode um, I've willingly sat down to watch multiple times, as opposed to watching it and then having to watch it again because I was doing the screenings at Geeky Tees. Like this was this was a genuinely enjoyable episode, and I'm probably going to watch it again. It's getting a separate Blu-ray release. It's not being released as part of the season eleven box set, which annoys me I because they that. could yeah. put it on the set, but they're opting not to do that. Um, which means I, if I buy the Blu-ray, if I get when season twelve yeah. comes out, is it going to be on the season twelve set? I don't know. I don't know how they're handling things. They seem to change up it's the home so video releases. Plus, it fits so much with series eleven. Like you know, yeah. it definitely feels like the last chapter of series eleven. Yeah, it's way a, more it's, than Battle of Ranskor of Kolos. It's more of a finale than than season uh, than than the bat. Yeah, than the Battle of Who's Magoobas Who yeah. there. Um, unrelated. (laughs) I wanted to, I thought it was pretty interesting that this Dalek was, um, completely robotic. 
There wasn't. Mm. Yeah, it was remote control. Oh, you mean uh, for practical effects? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. They've always used a person in the Dalek, um, but this one was completely robotic. Oh, well, that makes sense. And it also helped with, because the design, like that weird, it was cool because it was a Dalek, but a little bit off, which mm -hmm. was cool in a creepy sort of way. And, and I don't I don't know how you could have fit a person in that. It was clearly, yeah. It seemed a lot a more like choice. skeletal. Yeah. Um, because it was like pointy edges. Yeah, it seemed a lot more, what's the word, non-human, you know? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that, but yeah, that's good. That's a good, uh, good idea. Yeah. Oh, another. Well, I know I should stop harping on it, but the battle with those soldiers, like it was cut so weird because the three was it the three trucks of soldiers just stop on this road in the middle of nowhere, and then the Dalek lands in front of them. How the hell did they know it was going to land there? I, I don't know. I would just, I was assuming that it was some sort of um, you know air drones were watching it or something along those lines. Yeah. Okay. Cool. I'll that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was in their airspace, and it's not a full, a fully operational Dalek. It's a homemade, you know, bespoke Etsy Dalek. So yeah. it's, uh, you know, it's maybe, it maybe doesn't have stealth capabilities. It does have big old rocket launchers on the front for some reason, but maybe yeah. not stealth. Yeah, those rockets were odd. But uh, anyways. Let me ask you this. What do you think of uh, the fact that Unit has now been victim, uh, is now a victim of Brexit? I love it. I think it's great, but I don't think it should have been in this story. Hmm. I think there's no point. That scene doesn't do anything in the narrative other than it's there for people who are um, fans of Doctor Who and are like, well, why don't you just call in Unit? Um, that it doesn't. Well, yeah, serve I think it did that. It's like, story. why don't you call them the cavalry? Yeah, it doesn't serve anything in the broader narrative. People for whom this is their first exposure to Doctor Who, or for whom season eleven was their first exposure to Doctor Who, they don't know who Unit is. And it, the worst thing is when you've got the Doctor on the phone saying, "I want to speak to Kate Stewart." And you're suddenly thinking, oh, oh, fuck! Kate Stewart's—they're going to bring Unit in. That's fantastic. It's, 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 it's a cocktease. It's, 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 it dangles the potential of something in front of us and then whips it away. And here's the thing: I love the idea of Unit being Unit operations being suspended because of Brexit. I genuinely love that idea, but yeah. that is, it, this is not the place for it. Like that's. That's a, that's a story on its own. Like you could do something phenomenal with that story, well, and it's hope they do thrown away in the middle of this in this episode. Oh, I don't know. I like because it, it it does answer that question. Why don't you call in the cavalry? And actually, though, question for for classic in classic who it was always United Nations Intelligence Task Force, right? Am I? Uh, yes, it, and it was still yeah. United Nations Intelligence Task Force during uh, Eccleston season. But uh, after Eccleston season aired, the United Nations. Uh, contacted the BBC and asked them to change the name. Oh, because yeah. this is the first I noticed. It's what now Unified Intelligence Task Force. Yeah, and it's been like that since season two, since oh. um, the Christmas invasion. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. Well, doesn't really matter because it's gone. Although, <laughs> hey, hope for Kate Stewart. That, oh, I can't wait! I can't wait to see Kate Stewart's reaction to Jodie's Doctor. Um, yeah, yeah, that's that's a Chekhov cameo that we must have or guest role. I'm, I'll tell you what, the thing I'm most interested about, I'm very interested to see how Unit being suspended in the show, how that's going to play out or affect the Big Finish audio plays. Because they're still doing regular Unit audios at Big Finish with the current Unit team, with with uh, Oswin Osgood, with Kate Stewart. Mm -hmm. um, and the idea of 
unit being suspended because of, you know, basically because of Brexit. There's so many fertile ideas for stories there. Um, and I really hope Big Finish minds that because that could be absolutely phenomenal. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. Anyway, so let's start to wrap it up. So we've had, a, you know, a, ooh, it's been a roller coaster of a season. <laughs> but uh, the other thing, I like this episode because it really shows them clicking together as a team. And even though I, I feel like a lot of this season has been me being hopeful and then disappointed. Uh, I'm really hopeful that, that it's a sign they found their feet and that uh, season 12 will be a little bit stronger, even though, well, I get to say that because I won't know if I'm right or wrong for a whole year. But what are your, your thoughts, your hopes, your fears, or your dreams for the uh, 2020 season 12 of Doctor Who? Um, I always forever hopeful mm-hmm. uh, eternal but I um, I thought that this episode showed that what we all know that Chris Chibnall can write situations really well mm-hmm. um, you know the situations that everybody had within the story were awesome um, so I was thinking that I, I would hope that maybe he would get like Co, whatever person that could keep the story's overall arc more uh, on point, yes. and then he could write the the great little you know things between you know Ryan and his dad or Graham and and all of those because he is good at those. Those are highlights in the in the episodes, mm-hmm. but all his other shitty writing um, really overshadows those moments. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, maybe that. Maybe more freelance episodes too. Yeah, because <laughs> those are some. I thought those are some of the standouts. Although this one was quite good too, and I, and I like Ghost Monument. So maybe I'm being too much a hater. I also have been liking the comic. So um, oh, I haven't read the comic yet. I have yeah. to read the comic. You need to get on the comic, and we should do some um, uh, episodes about that because oh. I'm digging it. Yeah, cool, cool. Ben, how about you? What are you hoping for the the next the, this upcoming? Well, it's it's a it's a who free year pretty much, but then uh, the the new season in twenty twenty. I'm I'm re- I really hope God I hope that Chibnall um, takes some of the criticism that this season has had to heart, um, mm-hmm. that he's uh, willing or able or capable even of um, addressing his flaws. I mean, Stephen Moffat's first season is. I think one of my favorite seasons of the show, but Mm -hmm. it had flaws. For example, there were quite a lot of white people and not enough queer representation. Mm -hmm. And when people were critical, he learned and he adapted and we ended up with, you know, a a much more diverse show as his tenure on the show uh, progressed. Um, And I really hope that Shibnall will take the criticisms of his writing style, of his weaknesses when it comes to narrative of the, um, his seeming disinterest in telling a compelling drama and just kind of paying lip service to the idea of drama. I really hope that he he takes those criticisms to heart and we get a much stronger second season because Jody and this cast absolutely deserve better than what they've been getting. We mm-hmm. we they they deserve uh, absolute explosive television um, and. You know that's not what we're getting right now, and that's not what they're getting. They are not. Um, they are. Not, they're getting. They're getting less than they deserve, and 
I think the only thing stopping a lot of people from falling in love with Jodie's Doctor is the fact that the writing has been so weak. In fairness, that didn't help David Tennant. David Tennant had a couple of really weak seasons, but his characterization kind of kept things, um, you know, ab- above water. And I think Jodie's doing that too. Uh, but she, I just want, I want competent execution of imaginative ideas. And this season has had no shortage of, 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 of imaginative ideas. I just want them to be more competently executed upon. That's really all I want. I want a good show. I want a good show. I want to be not bored when I watch Doctor Who. Yeah, I would hope so too. Although it, it's tricky because, you know, there's the, the little sliver of criticism, but it just seems like it gets drowned out by the general just sort of, ugh, the, the gross trolling about, you know, the doctor's mail, it's two PC, all that bull crap. But uh, yeah, if, if, if Chibnall can sift through all that crap to find some, some actual good criticism, constructive criticism. Yeah. Uh, my hat's off to him. Absolutely. Okay. So I think, uh, I think I'm wrapping it up, but yeah, we will be back. We'll probably do monthly episodes. Uh, we're still deciding what to do, although I love Renee's idea of doing the comic book. So uh, please keep subscribing. Please keep commenting. And uh, thanks for listening. Check out our other podcasts on iTunes and all podcast apps and check out our site, thegrandgeekgathering.com for our articles, videos, and more. You can stay updated from our Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and we stream on Twitch. So come and join the gathering. Have a great week and GGG. Oh, and an extra note, we also have a pull to open Facebook page. If you've got ideas what we should talk about, go on Facebook and let us know. Thanks. Uh, Can I pitch something quickly? Sure. Um, If you enjoy Doctor Who and you also enjoy uh, tabletop gaming podcasts, um, I will be among with a bunch of friends. We'll be launching a uh, a biweekly Doctor Who role playing game podcast where we're playing the Doctor Who RPG by Cubicle Seven. That launches on January sixteenth. It's called The Game of Rassilon, and you can check it out at thegameofrassilon r a s s i l o n dot com. Um, our first episode goes up January sixteenth, and it's a good one because they're all good because they're great. So if you if you've been listening to me criticize Chibnall's writing and you want to uh-huh. you want to have a go you want to have a pop at how I would do the show because I'm the game master um that's how you do it is you listen to the podcast and complain about my crappy writing instead. <laughs> Turn about spare play. So are we going to cool. have episodes of us complaining about how you're running it then? <laughs> <laughs> God, I hope not. It's you you like, better have better queer exception. representation. Oh, we've got that in spades, my dudes. Oh, cool. Okay, well, that's it for us. Signing off. Bye.